This is a very pivotal moment in the life of Jesus, the moment of his baptism in the River Jordan. After 30 years of hidden life, Jesus is finally going public. And things will ramp up very quickly after this moment that we just read about. The demands of others will be many, and Jesus will make very good use of every single moment in his life. Everything is ahead of him. A full schedule awaits him. We can already hear many people calling his name and presenting different needs to him. His disciples will get really busy. The roads are empty but ready to get stepped on and see them travel several miles in a day and even at night. However, at this moment of the baptism, there's not a hint of anxiety in Jesus. He calmly and peacefully walks into the scene of his public life. And that is what we celebrate today. That before Jesus launches on to the mission, he receives a vision. A moment of deep consolation within the Trinity so that he could perform his mission out of overflow. We read in the gospel today that on coming out of the water, Jesus saw he received a vision that has three elements. In the first place, the heavens are torn open. As Isaiah had prayed, Oh, that you would run the heavens and come down. In Isaiah 63, God making himself present, breaking the silence, according to the prophecy, and we can say almost like closing the gap. Secondly, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove to anoint him for the mission. As kings of old were anointed, the seal of his equipment for this mission. He is the one who is filled with the Holy Spirit during his life. And finally, the voice of the Father is heard certifying Jesus before others. An awesome and extraordinary vision in order to begin an also awesome and extraordinary mission. Even though vision and mission are so interconnected, we see in the life of Jesus some misinterpretations in both directions. For example, there's that instance in Mark 1 when Peter comes to Jesus and he interrupts his prayer. Almost like saying, Jesus, this is not the moment to be so mystical and praying so much. Everyone is looking for you. Let's go down to work. Enough of this prayer and mysticism. On the other hand, we see that his relatives, upon seeing the much activity that was going on in his life, we read in Mark 3, only a few chapters later, his relatives set out to seize him. For they said, he is out of his mind. This is too much. He's doing too much. 
So these misunderstandings, I think, they exposed more the unbalance of his critics than that of Jesus. In him, we see a perfect harmony between vision and mission. He lives his life by attraction from what he has seen in his own contemplation and not by the blind pressure of the circumstances or other people around him. We know that when action lacks prayer, when mission lacks vision in our lives, we usually see our lives sort of fade away. First of all, the first thing that fades away when we are lacking prayer, when we are lacking moving by attraction, when we are lacking vision for our mission, the first thing that, lack, uh, that fades away is our motivation for things. We begin with great excitement and enthusiasm, new things, but it goes away very quickly, as quickly as it came. Secondly, that sense of direction. We can start things with great conviction of the way we should go and what we ought to do, but quickly lose direction. And we don't know why we're doing things in the first place. And thirdly, perseverance also fades away. Now we start, this is it, I will never let go, I'm all in. But then we are not down for the long haul and we fade away. So the baptism of Jesus shows us that great union of vision and mission that we ought to contemplate in Christ and imitate in our lives. Our experience of this principle of the life of Jesus, if we could put it into literature terms, it's usually one of juxtaposition at first. We realize that we need to pray before we do things, which is very important and, of course, very helpful. So we bless what we are going to do. We pray before we do something to bless it. That's why we pray before meals. We pray before studying. We pray before the things that we do. However, we see in the life of Jesus one more step that we are invited to take. And it's not so much juxtaposition, but subordination. When our actions are continually subordinated to our prayer, when our mission is subordinated to our vision. And so we just... We don't just pray before meals, but we also eat for the glory of God. We don't just pray before studying, but we go about our work of learning prayerfully, and so on with everything that we do. That is what we see in the life of Jesus. As the voice of the Father is known to have been heard two more times in the life of Jesus after this one. We also know that Jesus lived with the Holy, filled with the Holy Spirit and that the heavens were torn open continually from that moment on as angels could go up and down effortlessly. 
So this principle that happened, the baptism of the Lord continually happened in the life of Jesus. So that he could harmoniously connect those two things, his vision and mission in this life. Jesus toiled and fought more bravely than anybody else. And he did so out of overflow. Vision and mission imperfectly intertwined. Someone who lived this way was Mother Cabrini. Mother Cabrini is a saint now who was born in Italy, in this very small town in northern Italy called Codonio. And she was, you know, born and raised in a very frail and sick way. She was very frail in her own life and underwent many sicknesses. So much that he was rejected from consecrated, consecrated life four times before she could finally, uh, you know, pursue the, the calling that the Lord had for her. Before she consecrated herself, I don't remember what age, but I think around the, her 30s, she had never left her little town in northern Italy until that moment of her own consecration. And then she goes to Rome. And from there, she founded a new order. And she planted a new house of that order in Rome, and then one in New York, and then one in New Orleans, and then one in Buenos Aires, and then one in Paris. Then she, then she moved on to London, and the last one was in Madrid. An amazing life, an amazing woman, this frail little sister, who nobody said that she could, you know, go out of her little town of Codonia in Italy, did so much. And how was it? Because she lived out of this principle of vision and mission. She united herself to the victor of the world, as we read in that second reading. And so she conquered the world. And New York and New Orleans and Buenos Aires and Paris and London became just like an our neighborhood for her. Just an our play that was really familiar to her. It's almost as if great things became very small to her and small things became really big in her eyes. Everything was changed and put upside down. And that is the life of those who decide to live in this way, to live their lives by attraction, by contemplation of Christ and working out of that fulfillment. So how can we put this into practice this week and from, from now on? I think there's two main things that we can do. In the first place, as I said, we can start praying before everything that we do. And I mean everything. Maybe we can choose one day in this week and that day make sure that we pray before everything that we do. Shower, breakfast, study, conversations, meals, walking somewhere, checking email, making a phone call, everything that we do. Everything that we do, we can pray before. And in that way, we bless that work that we are about to do. But in the second place, to go one step further, is to have one hour of vision every week. So if the first point is to be able to do what I already have to do, 
in his presence. This one is to be able to see what does he want me to do. Things that maybe I don't see yet. And so we need an hour of silence and vision before the Lord. And it could be on, on Sundays or Mondays at the beginning of the week. So we can see what the Lord wants us to do. Things that maybe we don't see ourselves. An hour of vision where we ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? And a time to receive that confirmation. We can even finish that moment of prayer by receiving and repeating that phrase from the Father. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. So today, instead of praying the creed to renew our faith, we will renew our baptismal promises so that we can renew what Jesus received today in mystery so that we can receive today sacramentally and liturgically so that we can live more according to what we already have, what we already possess and have received at that sacrament. And so as we renew our rejection of Satan and sin and everything that drifts us away from our mission and vision in life, may we also proclaim that we believe in Christ and that we want to live our lives out of contemplation and imitation of who He is, so that we may live this place like Jesus, not to frantically run around and try to do as many things as we can, but to peacefully fulfill our mission in life.